Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Highmark Church Podcast. Our heartbeat is to help people find and follow Jesus. So we pray this message encourages you, strengthens you, and helps you pursue the purpose Jesus has for you. Today, we're continuing part three of this series. I've loved this series because I like to laugh. I like to have a little bit of fun. And uh, the series is called Asking for a Friend. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen it on social media when someone puts hashtag at the end of a, a post or something, asking for a friend. Uh, but it's kind of a funny way to reveal something about your behavior, real, reveal something about yourself, uh, maybe poke fun at something in the world a little bit, uh, all of our common behaviors, and make a joke. Uh, and so people will put that asking for a friend. So to help you get it, we like to have a little fun here. It's okay to laugh, okay, in church. Uh, I figured I'd pull a couple like I've done all the previous weeks this week and just show you a couple that are out there that I think were kind of funny. Number one, why are there donut holes but not bagel holes? Come on, like somebody, why can't you go to the bagel shop and get the, ba- I guess they could just dip them in the cream cheese, right? That would be good. So number two, I love this one right here. If Amazon is delivering with drones, how far off is Starbucks from doing the same? Come on, any Starbucks fans in the house right here, you're like, I'll get behind a drone dropping off my coffee wherever I'm at, okay? And, and Amazon is working working on that, so watch out above, okay? Uh, number three, uh, this is for the Colts fans right here. Has anyone ever seen Tom Brady and Melania at the same time? Look at those pictures right there. Don't they look a, a lot alike, and maybe they're the same person? Maybe we don't know. So, you know, it's just one of those things. So, uh, But today, we're going to deal with a more serious question. It's a question I think sometimes we wrestle with. We, uh, to varying degrees, have, a, have this kind of question uh, is why am I unhappy? Why am I unhappy? Now, I've had days where I've just been grumpy. I've had bad days where I've just been uh, frustrated by something. Uh, I'm, I've had days where I just am irritable and I'm unhappy. But I'm going to talk about maybe a little bit bigger perspective of unhappy, not just the, hey, I had a bad day. But today we want to dive in and look at why sometimes unhappiness seems to be a thread in our everyday life and how we can shift our thinking to uh, live our life in a way where we are uh, not living kind of with this unhappiness and uh, discontentment in life, but instead we're living with this joy and this light and easy feeling. I, I, when I describe those two ends of the, the spectrum, I definitely want to be uh, living life where I just feel the joy of where I'm at. I enjoy the season I'm in. I feel the lightness and the joy, the, the laughter in life. I would rather feel that way than being grumpy and upset all the time. And so we're going to talk about that. Now, when I was in high school, I was kind of an overachiever. I worked at a bank as a teller. I don't know too many. I, at the time, I didn't realize it, but I don't know too many high school students that get, they, they entrust being a bank teller too. But for some reason, someone looked at me and thought I was respectable enough to be a bank teller as a senior in high school. And I worked at a bank and, uh, and I remember the first day, I always tell the story as I remember the first day because I feel like I was going through like a trial. They, they, the branch manager pulled me into the bank vault, held, had me hold this giant black sack of, 
a big plastic like grocery bag size, but it was real thick. And she just started taking money out of the vault and, and big bricks of $20 bills and tossing it in the sack. And I'm a high school student. I'm looking at it going, whoa. And I'm like kind of doing the math. Like there's thousands and thousands of dollars that I'm holding right here. So maybe that was a test and I passed the test my first day. Uh, but I actually worked there for about eight months. I didn't love it. I didn't, actually, I quit there after eight months. And mainly because I didn't enjoy the environment that I was around. And there's one bank teller in particular, and her name was Greta. And Greta was about 30-something-year-old woman, worked there. But she was just a grumpy person all the time. Now, how many people know someone like that or you've encountered someone like that? Hopefully, they're not sitting right next to you in this moment. If they are, maybe bump them a little bit and uh, say, hey, this is for you today, okay? Uh, that won't cause any problems. But... Um, I remember Greta just always being grumpy all the time, always kind of having, like, she was always upset with uh, customers that would come in, irritated by this, that, and the other thing, like, always kind of in a place where she was frustrated, the, the fuse was always short, if she was inconvenienced, everyone knew it, and honestly, we just, I worked there with another guy who was uh, in law school at the time, his name was Andy. And Andy and I just decided one day when we were working uh, in the back drive-thru that we were going to give Greta a nickname. And we just nicknamed her, as you would guess, Grumpy Greta, okay? And now maybe you've experienced people in life like, in life like that. And I think that we all are going to encounter people. Maybe they're having a bad day or an off day. But I think if we string together a bunch of days like that, that we live life in this unhealthy and unhappy kind of context, that we're missing out on really what God intends for us. And we're missing out on the joy and, and what God has designed life for us to enjoy, and we're focusing on the wrong things. You see, I looking back, look at Greta, and Greta was always focused on the bad things that happened, the negative and the ways that she was inconvenienced, uh, and she let it get to her. And to listen, following Jesus doesn't mean that our life is going to always be smooth sailing. It's not always going to be cupcakes and butterflies, but we're going to have real challenges that come in life. But I believe that when we follow God and we our hearts are focused on him, our eyes are fixed, our life is fixed on him, that we can kind of live with a different perspective and that even in the midst of trials and difficult situations, we can experience joy and a lightness and easiness to life. And, uh, and so sometimes, listen, we're unhappy and we just need to deal with that. Now, I want to kind of start today by talking about if the reality of unhappiness because I don't want to gloss over the fact that there's really some physiological things that can be wrong with you if you're, uh, uh, and there can be a reason that you're unhappy because depression is a real thing that we all could be susceptible to deal with in our life. And I want to talk about that because the World uh, Health Organization says that 300 million people globally of all ages suffer from depression. And that's a real thing that I feel like we need to always spy, uh, shine a light on and make people uh, comfortable talking about it, being open about it, and being encouraged even in the midst of it. And I think we're going to be wrong-hearted if we believe that, even as believers, that we're not susceptible to depression. 
the reality is that there's, it ties to physiological things and mental things that uh, imbalances and chemical imbalances in our life that studies say that there's psychosomatic problems that uh, connect to the endocrine system and digestive system and uh, the immune system of our body. And so those are real things that we need to shine a light on and talk about and address in our life. And you might actually need uh, help with that. And you might need the help of a doctor uh, to prescribe something or just bring the balance right and, and help you get uh, out of that depression. And so I just want to just take a moment and say, listen, if you're battling depression, there's nothing wrong with it. You're not weird. You're not abnormal. There's nothing wrong with your faith. But there is something that you can... Uh, address in your life. There is something that you can get help with in your life. And let me tell you, if you're dealing with depression, I want to just give you a couple encouragements today. Talk about it with a trusted friend. Open up to someone and say, hey, here is where I'm at. That's why we have community. That's why we have relationships and life groups and we develop friendships in the church and with other Christians because we can encourage one another along the way. And, uh, and so talk to a trusted friend about it. Say, hey, here's where I'm at. I'm going through this. Would you pray with me? Would you help me get some perspective on this? The other thing you can do is just don't isolate yourself. The uh, reaction or the, the, the way that we can respond is just to say, I'm going to isolate. I'm going to separate myself from other groups of people. And I'm going to wallow. I'm going to kind of keep inward focus. And I would just encourage you to identify the, where you're at and say, I need to push through that. I need to stay connected with people because you need a support network around you of people that can encourage you and help you along the way. And I would just say, too, if you're facing depression and it's so serious that you're having suicidal thoughts, get the help that you need from a professional. Get the help what you need. And I, I put a number up on the screen, and maybe you need this number. Maybe someone today just needs it. I figured, hey, I'll put it on the screen. But if you're having those types of thoughts, uh, you're depressed and you feel suicidal, get the help. You're not alone. And if you don't have anybody to talk to, you can call the number uh, on the screen, and someone will be there to answer and walk you through the season that you're facing. So I don't want to gloss over in this conversation on ha unhappiness and not talk about the most serious form of unhappiness. We have to address that as a church. We have to, as the body of Christ, embrace when people are walking through those seasons in life. And we have to help them. And we have a responsibility to lift them up and to rally behind them and encourage them the way that the body of Christ should. And I just want to drop any stigma that there would be and any uh, feelings of that those people don't measure up or their faith isn't big enough. That is a lie from the enemy. Uh, God has great plans for you, and uh, you can get healthy in that. But today, as we talk about unhappiness, I want to talk about the growing unhappiness that we can have in a number of areas in our life. It can come from a number, number of different sides and, and vantage points in our life. Unhappiness comes from uh, maybe a disappointment we have with a plan or something that we had uh, planned on happening in our life. Maybe it was a relationship or uh, something at work or uh, just a goal that we had that we could be disappointed by. Maybe we're unhappy because we're always chasing the next experience, the latest thing that we can purchase to bring happiness to us. I have to check my heart every time Apple releases a new phone right here. I have to just be like, I'm just giving you a little truth right here today. Like, God, like, I don't need that. Like, I don't need to pursue that. 
even though it has three cameras now and not just one, you know, like, uh, God, help me with that. I'm not just chasing the next latest thing and the next experience or the latest purchase or something that I can just fill my life with to try to make me happy. But I think real happiness isn't found in something. It's found when we're content in Christ. It's when we're satisfied. And I think if we would unpack all those feelings of unhappiness, wherever it comes from or whatever the source is from it, that the remedy isn't more stuff or more experiences or that reaching that goal or that experience or, or that area following through in my life. The real area and the place of happiness is that when we're content in life. When we have a contentment, like we're just satisfied with where we're at. We're good with where we're at. We're, we're happy. That's the root of the problem is that we're always looking to satisfy a thirst that can't be satisfied by ourself. And what I've realized in life is that I have to look for outside of myself for that thirst of happiness to be satisfied. Now, this summer, our family was out uh, on a hot summer day, which it still feels like hot summer days out there right now. But we were out one day just doing stuff. And I remember that uh, I was just like, hey, let's go get slushies. Like, you know, let's just treat ourselves right and go get some slushies as a family. And that will refresh us. That will quench our thirst. And I remember that we went into the, the store and I came out and I thought I was really cool because I came out with, like, the giant one, right? I filled this thing as big as I could, uh, and, and I thought I'm going to make my kids just uh, be jealous of how big of a cup that I got full of a slushie, okay? And it was like 10 cents or something like that. You know, they'd give that stuff away, basically. And so I filled it out, and I remember in that moment... Uh, I get in the car, and I thought, oh, look at how big of a cup. Look at how big my slushy is. Look at how big it is. And Lexi gets in the car right after that, our daughter, and she's 12, and she comes out with the bigger one. And immediately, I thought, well done, child. <laughs> and I thought, but I was also a little jealous in my heart. I was looking at my cup, and I thought I had done so well. And then I looked at her cup, and it was way bigger. She definitely got more slushy than me, and I was not happy about that. You know, that moment, and I think this kind of illustrates for us today, is that sometimes we can get discontent because we're looking at what someone else has and what they have, have in their life, and we don't feel like we have enough or we measure up or and we wish we had that. I did have a little bit of jealousy in, the minute, in that moment. And she was drinking that thing for like two hours afterwards, you know. But what I realized quickly is that this was never even going to satisfy my thirst. It was a hot summer day. That slushy felt so ref like it was going to be the most refreshing thing. But honestly, it's just all sugar, right? A little bit of frozen water in there. And as I finished it, I was like, I am still thirsty. And this never even satisfied my thirst. But yet at first I was caught in the comparison like I wish I would have had, I wish I would have got, it's called the maximum. Do you see here? Like you, I love the names that come up with these things. So this is the mighty. I, I felt pretty good about my mighty, but then I saw the maximum and I wish I had the maximum. And the reality is sometimes in life we aren't content with where we're at 
and we're looking to what someone else has and we're comparing what we have or where our life is at to that other person and that leaves us with this discontentment in life. We're being conditioned actually to be uh, toward comparison. I've, I've realized that with the highlight reel of technology and social media that I can be so focused on what everyone else is doing or what their experience is and wishing I was there and FOMO is a real thing, fear of missing out, you know, like having FOMO in life that I've realized that we are being conditioned by our online uh, lives that have dual identities, to be self-serving, to be neurotic and focused on uh, really kind of how I can uh, get to get that same or how, how I can outdo that person. And so we post our highlight reels online. And what I've realized is that it just brings a lot more anxiety and depression to us because we can't trust this comparison. We can't trust what that person's doing or what they're doing and when we do that, we're, we're falling into a trap of comparison that holds us back from really living content in our life. So I can't trust comparison because I'm not fighting that person's battle. I don't know what's happening behind the scenes. I, I'm not running that person's race. I'm walking in my shoes. I'm not walking in their shoes. Like, I don't know the things that they're facing. I don't know what their thoughts and their feelings are uh, when, it, when it's uh, behind the scenes or offline. I don't know what they're going through. And what I've realized is that all I can do is focus on what God has for me and what God has put before me. And my job isn't to compare myself to anyone else, but it's to compare myself to God. And when I compare myself to God, you would think, okay, well, you don't measure up. No, you see, God lays out for us, and when he, when he says, listen, align with me and, and focus on me, fix your attention on me, it's not of like, hey, I don't measure up. No, he brings affirmation, and he brings comfort, and he speaks to us uh, uh, challenges and encouragements that move us closer to him, and they don't leave us feeling like we don't measure up because that's grace. So the, 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 the goal for us is not to get caught in this comparison, but instead, instead live content. Now, Jesus tells a parable in Luke chapter 19, and we're gonna, or 18, and we're going to go there in just a minute. And it's a, it's a parable is a story that communicates a deep spiritual truth. And they're important for us to look at because Jesus, when he tells a, a parable, he's really trying to uh, help us understand a principle in the kingdom of God. He's trying to help us to understand God's nature. And so today I want to look at one of those parables in Luke chapter 18, uh, verses 9 through 12. And it says this, that then Jesus told this story of someone who had, uh, who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. It says, two men went to the temple to pray, and one was a Pharisee. Now, a Pharisee is someone that would have been considered like a religious leader. They would have been someone that people look to and maybe even put up on a little bit of a pedestal as like, hey, this person has it together. They're, they know the law. They know God. They, they know scripture. And they would have kind of had this righteous aura they carried throughout life. Now, that, that's the one guy we see. And one was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. Because, all right, everyone hates a tax collector, let's be honest. We don't literally have a person that shows up at our house, but le who really honestly likes the IRS collectively, okay? So just picture the IRS, okay? Uh, so the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, 
that I'm not like the other people. I can imagine him projecting his voice like that. The cheaters, the sinners, I'm probably giving a little bit of a side eye to the tax collector right there. The adulterers, I'm certainly not like the tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. Can we just pause right there? How many people want to punch this guy? Like, I would have probably been in that moment, like, you know, you're in the temple, they're at the place of worship, so I would have been like, oh, God's spirit's moving and just whack that guy on the head. Oh, sorry. You know, sorry, I got a little aggressive during worship. But man, you see, he's carrying this pride and he's carrying this aura of like, I've got it together. And I, I love how he lists that. And he's like, I'm not like those people. And I do this and I do this and I do this. See, he's measuring himself. He's measuring himself the wrong way. But then it says that the tax collector stood at a distance because he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat himself on, the, uh, on his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you this, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. I, I love the, the different perspective that we see here. This sinner tax collector just comes. He dares not lift his eyes. He says, I come... God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee. It's the sinner, not the Pharisee, that stood righteous and justified in God's eyes. I think that's key for us to, to grab hold of. And it continues on. It says, for those, Jesus ends it with this. And he says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So you have two guys what happened? They're caught in the comparison trap. Actually, the Pharisee is caught. He's comparing himself to everyone else. But that's not what God calls us to do. He doesn't call us to look around at everyone else's life and measure our where we're at based on the other person around us because the reality is all of our hearts are corrupt. All of us have done wrong things, and, and, and we need a righteous standard in our life that is God. So when God says, listen, don't compare against one one another, it's because he wants us to pursue all that we have in him. It's because he has big plans for us. And if we are just comparing ourselves to the next person, then we're, not, we're actually not living up to the potential that God has for us in our life. And the Pharisee here is measuring himself against that standard, but the tax collector is coming humbly and just like, I'm a mess. Like, I need the grace of Jesus. And we see that contrast here. And I, I am just reminded today, if we're going to keep the right perspective in life, if we are going to not get caught in the comparison trap, what do we have to do? I think we have to model the behavior of this tax collector. We have to not model the behavior of the Pharisee and just comparing ourselves to other people, but we have to model what the, uh, the tax collector did. And what did he do? He came to God with honor. So we come to God with honor. He said, it says he dare not lift his eyes. Like he felt the weight and the respect of, of being in the presence of God. There's great reverence in, in what God has and what he can do in our life. So he came with honor. Like he came and realized that the Bible calls 
And one of the names of God is the Alpha in the Omega in Revelation chapter 1. He realized that he was in the presence of God and that he, we, when we come to God with honor, that we are really positioning initially ourselves to put ourselves in the right place. Like, God, I, I, I come to you. I lift you up. I'm honoring you in my life. I'm giving you a, a, a place of priority in my life. And so all of us can live in our life with with. Uh, honor towards God, that we put him in the right priority in the right place in our life. And that's ultimately how we honor God, that there's a humility in that. But I love that we see throughout scripture, the nature of God. It talks about Elohim, uh, the God of the most high in Genesis, Genesis chapter 14. You see in the Hebrew and the Greek, they, they actually didn't just say God in one way, but there were multiple ways that described in, the, in, that, lit, in that language that described God and talked about his nature. The L-O-M is the everlasting God in Genesis chapter 3. El Shaddai, you might have heard that one before. It's God Almighty in Genesis chapter 17. Yahweh Rapha is actually how God is referred to in Exodus chapter 15. The Lord, the healer. So all of these names talk about the nature of God. And that should all, as we discover and learn the nature of God, should help us put him in a place of honor in our life so we can come to God with honor. You know, the Bible has 20 plus different names that describe the nature of God, and it should evoke a response in us and a respect in us that we honor God with our life. So then we, right there, we put the right priority and right perspective by honoring God in our life. Second thing I see that this tax collector did is he came to God with honesty. We all need to come to God with honesty, right? God already knows. He knows our hearts, the Bible says. He knows everything about us. But I think there's a strength and a power to confessing to God where we're at. There's a strength to saying, God, this is where I'm at, and this is what I've done wrong, and these are the things that I need help with. And that's what we see the tax collector, and he actually beat his chest in sorrow, saying, God, I don't, I don't think I'm living up to your standard. I, I think we need to live up to... to a, uh, a standard that, that God has. I think a lot of times we can think that that's the standard we live up to, that we should live up to this before we come to God. But the reality is the tax collector had it right. We come to God with honesty, and that's where grace floods in in our life. God's not looking for us to have it all together, to say, okay, get yourself right, and then figure it out, like organize a few things in your life, like do a little bit better, try harder. Listen, there is an effort to our faith, but listen, that's not the requirement for grace. The requirement is just to come with a sincere and earnest heart with honesty and say, God knows, he knows where I'm at, but there's power in repenting or saying where we're at and confessing that before God. So we gotta come to God with honesty. God, here's where I'm at. I don't measure up. I don't have this together. I don't, and it's okay. Those things are okay. Then the last thing I love this is we see from this tax collector is that we come to God with humility. When we come to God with humility, he's just saying, listen, I am a sinner. We realize our place, that God knows our heart. And let me just say this, humility isn't devaluing ourselves. A lot of times people think being humble means someone's going to walk all over me. But being humble isn't about that. Humility is really about putting our place uh, and finding ourselves uh, submitted and being a servant to someone else, to, be, to helping someone else. And our worth isn't found in, uh, in propping ourselves up in the kingdom of God. 
or propping ourselves up before God, but our worth is found humbly coming before him in a sincere heart that says, God, I need you, and I need your help. And these, all of these things, the honor, the, the humility, the uh, really opening our, our heart up and saying, God, I need you, these are all things that have to do with our heart. But the cool thing is they help us get the right perspective. They help us shift things off of what comparison and what someone else has into what God has and the focus is on him and what he's doing in our life. And I love that the story ends and that Jesus makes the point, hey, who walks away justified? It's the tax collector. It's not the person that has presented themselves this way. No, they're putting themselves up on a pedestal that God hasn't even put them on. So God doesn't want us to get caught with this comparison. And I think the tax collector in that moment could have, could have really kind of in that moment just kind of looked over and been like, man, yeah, I, I, I don't, what, what's the point? Why should I even try? Why should I even like pray to God? He could have just backed out and said, you know, you know what? But I love that he leaned in and his attention and his focus was on God and he didn't get caught in the comparison of someone else. And it's a mistake when we compare ourselves to someone else because on the flip side, the Pharisees over here saying, hey, I'm better than this guy and I'm, I do this and I do that. But in honesty, his heart was in the wrong place. And God is more concerned about your heart, more concerned about where you're at. And he wants to bring that contentment. So here's, here's what I want to stick with you today, if anything, is that comparison kills contentment. Comparison kills contentment in your life. So just stop comparing yourself. Stop trying to say, oh, I need to be better at this. I need to look like that person. I need to do better. But listen, focus in on what God has called you to do, who he says you are, and let that be the standard in your life. Let that be what you focus your attention on. Let that be what you say, God, I, I am not going to get caught in the comparison trap, but I'm just going to live in contentment in who you say that I am. Number of years ago, I had LASIK surgery. Before that, I was blind as a bat. I had, to, I had, the, I had the giant uh, clock on my, my nightstand next to my uh, bed that the letters were like this tall, and I still had to bring, bring my face about this far away from it to be able to read what time it was. Like, you know, like I needed glasses. I needed contact lenses. And I remember it was probably over 10 years ago that I was able to get LASIK. God bless me. I was able to get LASIK eye surgery. And what a game changer because now I can see probably like 20-20 vision. But I think when you are stuck in the comparison trap, it's like wearing glasses that you no longer need. Because you see, if I put glasses on right now, then everything is distorted. It, it doesn't help me. If I would go back and put the glasses on that I had before, that I would not be able to see correctly. Everything would be blurry. Why? Because it's magnifying the wrong things in life. And listen, Jesus has paid the price, and he's corrected your vision so that you don't have to focus on the wrong things, so that you can focus on him, and you're not magnifying the wrong things in your life and focusing on and, and comparing yourself to this, that, or the other thing, or the other person, but instead you're focused on God and what he's doing in your life. Paul calls us out, calls out the danger in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, and I'm, I'm gonna end in just a moment with this. It says that, yeah, preachers always say that, right? Um, he says this, the Apostle Paul says this, oh, don't worry, we wouldn't dare say that we are wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are, 
but they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. And he says, how ignorant. The Apostle Paul grabbed hold of this, that he wasn't there to align his life with other people, but again, he focused his attention on God. Why? Because it matters where we keep our attention. Matthew 6, 33, verse that we'll come back to probably all the times. I think it's one that we can just make a, a verse that we memorize and internalize in our life because it's so true that if we just seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, he will give you everything you need. Man, what a great promise and truth right there. That I don't need to measure up. I don't need to figure out. I don't need to get caught in comparison. But instead, I can live in contentment. You see, it matters where you fix your attention. And God calls us to keep our attention fixed on him. We have to be careful to keep our heart from getting caught in this comparison trap. Because ultimately, it's going to make us unhappy. It's going to breed discontentment in our life. But God wants us to say, listen, we feel the strength of, uh, or we, we live in a, a place of strength of who he is and what he's done and uh, the price that he's paid. And when we just honor him, we come to him humbly and we present ourselves honestly to him. That's where we get a picture of his grace and how he's designed us. And we have a confidence that comes of living in that place with God. That he says, listen, you're my, you're my son or my daughter. And he's like, I've, I've laid things out for you, for you to pursue. And don't worry about everything else. Run your race that's out in front of you. And he says, seek the kingdom of God and all the other deep. They're all, the rest is just details. It's all just details. It'll come he'll add it all to your life. Thanks for tuning in today. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at Highmark. Go online to highmark.church to get all the details and plan your visit. Remember, God has a high calling for your life, so keep pursuing your purpose.